0: Hello and welcome to Taboo Talk, the podcast by Boots that asks the taboo health and wellness questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Smoke Williams, and today we're tackling one of the biggest mental health issues facing people today body image. In a 2020 survey of 8,000 people that was presented to Parliament, 61% of UK adults and 66% of children said that they feel negative or very negative about their body most of the time. 65% of under 18s also Confirmed that they do believe there is an ideal body type. This is an issue that affects both men and women, and one of the main culprits in exasperating it is definitely social media. Joining me to discuss this today is model and body acceptance activist Iskra Lawrence. Iskra, who's is an ambassador for the National Eating Disorder Association, is campaigning for better education in schools around unrealistic beauty standards, the influence of social media, and the impact on self worth. Inspired by our own personal body image battles, Iskra believes that self-acceptance can be learned through self-care and a better understanding of societal beauty myths and the damage caused by physical perfectionism. Before we jump in, I'd like to say to listeners that if you're affected by anything you hear in this episode, please contact your GP or visit the Boots online doctor for mental health support. There are also helplines and relevant websites listed in the show's notes.
1: Iskra, welcome. I'm so excited to be with you today.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Do you know what? I love this body acceptance and the journey to self-love. Yeah, we all need to hear this, but you've putting this out there for so long, and I love that. And I was like stalking your Instagram earlier and watching your TED talk, and like it's really inspiring and just really, really nice. So I'm very excited about this chat. Uh, tell us a bit where this all started for you. Like, what was your body image like at school?
1: Mm, good question. So my body image at school it was turbulent. I was thrust yeah. into the modeling world at a very young age by my own choosing of course I entered at an L girl search for supermodel I took the pictures when I was 12 and then you couldn't enter till you were 13 so I sent off my pictures and from that moment on it felt like I had a taste of like the dream life that I wanted you know doing the shoots doing the runways and catwalks but quite quickly as I hit puberty, I got more curves, you know, my hips kind of widened and I suddenly didn't fit into the sample sizes and the clothes that they had on set or at the fashion shows. And so my immediate feeling was what is wrong with my body? Um, why yeah. am I too big? Why am I not fitting the clothes? I should be. All the other girls, all the other models are slimmer than me. What's wrong with me? So I would say at school, I was super, super confident and, you know, I was into sports and then it all switched. Instead of seeing my body as something that was like something I could do amazing things with, it switched to really being obsessed with my size and what I looked like and comparing myself to not only just the models, but just your friends, all the people yeah. around you. And so I feel like at school, yeah, it was, it was a shame. I felt like I was robbed from having like kind of that childhood that's carefree in that sense because I was so obsessed with wanting to be thinner.
0: Yeah, I think that was always the thing in school. I think everybody yeah. just wanted to be thinner. I mm-hmm. used to I went through quite bad phases of that as well. And I think that I can't imagine being in the modeling industry that young. So you started when you were what, 13?
1: Yeah, started when I was 13 and I did a Runway, you know, when I was about 15 and I couldn't fit in the clothes. Like, I literally was trying on things. I was hiding in the corner and I was like, please don't let anyone see that I can't fit in these clothes. And of course, at some point, the stylist saw me and he was like, what is that fat model doing here? She can't fit in any of the clothes. What are we going to do? And they would just just put her in the coats. And you know, when you're like 15, yeah, they were brutal back then. There was no you know, responsibility. There was no repercussions for that kind of language and the way they spoke to you because there wasn't social media for someone like me to have a voice to say, hey, you know, I'm being body shamed. I didn't even know what body shaming was back then. Yeah, You know, we've come so far in how we can communicate and how we understand that certain ways that people talk about bodies is just not okay. And, you know, we're all learning a lot. But um, at that point, it was like no hold bars, you know, it was like, say whatever. That is like whatever.
0: slagging a child as well, though. It's like... I know, to a child. That is ter- Like, was that the general attitude in the modelling industry at that stage?
1: Oh, absolutely. When I would go to agencies, because I did get dropped from the agency when I couldn't fit in the clothes anymore, so I was dropped, and they gave me a list of other agencies to go to, and I went to all of them, and they had those kind of weird excuses, oh, you're too curvy, too commercial, too mature, too, yeah. like, womanly... How can a 14, 15-year-old understand what that means? Like, you just think that there's something wrong with you. And one agency actually had a sheet of A4 paper and they would rate you out of 10 for your teeth, for your skin, for your hair. Yeah, imagine that. And I would like, look, oh, they only gave me a four. What's wrong with my teeth? They gave it to you? Yeah, you saw it. Oh my God. And I mean, at
0: that age when like you just, some people have a naturally thin body and that's fine. Like, and I love that the
1: modeling industry has changed. But everybody's different. Mm. And the problem is if you are comparing yourself to anyone else, model or yeah. not, friend at school, sister, brother, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. When you're comparing your body and your being and who you are to someone else, you can't ever attain that. Never. No, you you can't change the shape
0: of your natural body either. Like Mm -hmm. I I spent years like desperately trying to have those really skinny legs that everybody Mm -hmm. has. I say I still have a little thing about my legs, but it's just something that sticks with you. But with diet culture and stuff like that, did you find yourself literally having to starve yourself to try and fit into those size zero clothes? Well,
1: do you remember? And honestly, sometimes you still get it, but there are those extreme like the Beyonce maple syrup diet yeah and just the like, cabbage soup diet <laughs> right they just kind of like I don't know where they come from but someone invents a new diet and it's all over the front of everything and you know culture is telling us that this is the thing to try so mm. you know as a teenager you don't understand nutrition or nourishment you don't understand about kind of like how to nourish your body and have healthy ingredients and obviously move your body in a way that's not just about burning calories so of course I ended up taking unhealthy measures and me and my friends would try different things I had a friend that ate one Snickers bar a day and that was like her diet and it's like, (laughs) like looking back it's just like how did we not know that this would be detrimental and it, yeah. you know not good for us? But you didn't care at that point and you would just try anything. And of course, you're not telling your parents what you're doing. I feel like there was such a lack of education
0: though when we Absolutely. were younger as well. And like there was, the, do you remember the special K diet? I, mm-hmm. I tried that. Oh my gosh, it's like, yeah. Just, just eat special K all day. Yeah. But those were the things that were going around. And I think as like I never learned myself about nutrition and I think Mm -hmm. even now like teaching that in school is not it's not really a priority to like people still struggle to understand that like actually just like moving more and just eating more healthily is the only way to do it.
1: Yeah that's one of the major things when you choose recovery from an eating disorder and body dysmorphia you know you go on this recovery journey that's what it's called and Really, the main aim of the recovery journey is to try and eliminate everything that you've learned. So you're unlearning Mm. all of the diet culture and, you know, the kind of toxic messages you've been told about your size and your body and food. And you have to figure out how to eat intuitively, which you would think is the easiest thing ever, right? Well, intuitively, I know that these fresh vegetables are from the earth. Like, that's nourishing, that's good for me. And something that's been highly processed and is filled with kind of chemicals or unnatural things is not so great for nourishing my body. That is so hard to unlearn because from a very young age, I mean... You know, if I'd behaved well or got good grades, I was awarded and rewarded by like ice cream and sweets. And we call that treats. Right. And so there's emotional attachment to food that even to this day, I know I will still catch myself thinking, oh, I'm down or, you know, oh, this or and you go reach for certain types of foods because they're comforting, or you've just got that like innate. So trying to unlearn that is really, really hard. And so I think as a society, we do need to be gentle on ourselves. And sometimes it feels easier to buy a book that's about a certain diet. And you know, someone's telling you exactly what to do, because to intuitively just refine that balance is really, really hard. And you know yeah. I, it's an ever going journey I feel like. oh, hundred 100% but I almost think that sometimes like you'll eat something
0: one day and you're like "Right, well, tomorrow I'm just gonna now I'm gonna be really good and almost punish yourself in a way for just having something the day before when actually it's not so bad.
1: Uh, you know what <laughs> but don't feel bad about that because how it's so hard to unlearn that it's a natural tendency we have and yeah. you know even for someone like my mom who obviously from the age of about 18, 19 when I was able to open up to her and tell her how I felt and told her that there were certain things she did growing up thinking that she was supporting me not just with my modeling career but also just being popular or successful or attractive because as a female society we are told that attractiveness is basically linked to success and fulfillment and finding a partner and all of these things like we really are and we're shown that right by examples by hollywood and even disney princesses they all look a certain way so i sat her down and i was like you telling me that I look thinner when I wear these type of clothes or I shouldn't wear ankle boots because they make look, my legs look bigger like these are really hard things to unlearn now yeah that like innately i just gosh they almost give me like awkward shivers when I have to put ankle boots on, which is just ridiculous, you know? That like literally makes so me feel pain. the same. Yeah, I remember doing modelling shoots and being like, no, 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 I can't wear the ankle boots. And people are like, what? Like, but they're going to make my legs look big. And they're, everyone's just thinking, okay, well, your legs are normal. Everyone's <laughs> legs are different shapes and sizes. But you just, there's certain things that are so hard to unlearn. And just like you said, right now I have a toddler, I have a two-year-old, and I'm trying to figure out is everything I'm saying around food, like, safe? Yeah. Or And you're constantly, and I do worry I overthink. I know I'm a Virgo, I'm a bit of an overthinker, but because of my experience and because I've talked about it and done a bloody TED Talk, I'm so, like... Goodness, I better not mess this up for my kid. (laughs) So I feel like all this pressure, and you know, I'm trying to tell my partner and even my parents, like, let's talk about how we're going to communicate around food.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned sorry, the ankle boots just made me (laughs) flashback. Like, I literally still have that thing about ankle boots. I'm like, I can't, I can't. Even shoes that tie around your ankle, I'm like, not for me. But (laughs) was there like a part of your body when you were growing up that was just the thing that you would focus on the most?
1: It's definitely my legs too. I know you said legs, but like weirdly like my calves, just the size of my calves. And, you know, I know this conversation might be triggering for people. So I apologize, but we need to talk about these things. I had a book and I would measure to the half a centimeter the size of my calves and ankles and thighs and like just be trying. And something like a calf, I mean, it's just muscle. Like there's really, and so for me, you know, looking up like, is there something you can do to make your calves slimmer? Like ridiculous amounts of energy and time focused into something that why on earth is it even an issue? But I can't be tough on myself because I understand why I felt like it was an issue because I was shown it. And the amount of trousers to this day I will never fit in or boots I will never (laughs) fit because of the size of my calves and legs, you know? And that's not my fault i know i have had to take
0: my legs so I, there was these boots i wanted for ages and everyone was wearing them and i got them and then they arrived i like, could not get them over yeah. my calf i was like the stupid brand anyway yeah. um how did you find your modeling in general like was it a mix of like because i really enjoyed it ours was mm. kind of a camaraderie because it wasn't so like yours was like I'm not going to say, pro- what well, it was proper modeling. I was more so doing like little things at home and like you were storming catwalks
1: and stuff like that. So was it like a fun place to be or super competitive? It was definitely super competitive. And I ended up <laughs> going more into the commercial direction. Then obviously when I was in my late teens, I heard about plus size modeling. And so that all changed for me because I thought it was, oh, my goodness, finally someone's going to accept me for my size. I was thinking, are you considered a plus-size model? Technically, because the parameters, this is what's crazy, you know, the parameters, let's talk in UK sizing, even though I am in the US now. UK sizing is like four to eight at a push, but really it's size four and six that is like sample size. Yeah. And then plus size is UK 14, 16, 18, 20. Yeah. And so I am closer... To that, I'm like a, I'm a 12, 14. No, I'm a UK 14 now for sure. So I'm yeah. in the plus size. I'm on the smaller end, but when I started, I was still a, probably a UK 10 to 12. And so when okay. the plus size agencies, I went in for a meeting, they were like, "You're too small to be a plus size model." I was like, I've just wasted eight (laughs) years trying to be slimmer to try and fit one side of the industry. Now you're telling me I can't be part of this side either. And that's when it really clicked. And I was like, I have to change this, not myself.
0: Yeah, Photoshopping obviously is a big thing Mm. in the industry. Did you have issues around that?
1: 100%. Photoshopping for me is just as detrimental as the issues with size inclusion. Because Mm. as a model... I would get photos back, and I did actually do a photo shoot for a magazine once, and I said to my friends and family, I was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, available, yeah. different places, like, go and get your copy. And they would literally, be, oh, well, we had a look today, but we couldn't couldn't see you in it. We couldn't find you in it. It must be in a different... And I was like, no, Stop. that's actually me. And I was so heavily photoshopped, my own family literally didn't even recognise me. And I oh looked at the God. images, and uh, the problem is, for a long time... I thought, wow, look at me with a finished product being photoshopped. And you cannot help but think, well, someone's decided to do that. Someone has sat down on a computer and believed that I'm more beautiful now, post-photoshop. Like, that's what I need to try and look like. You can't look like that. You will never. And that's me. And I'm the model in the photo and I can't look like that. So the idea that someone else buying that magazine or looking at that advert online or whatever it might be, also again comparing because it's human nature to compare even Mm. though we can control our reaction you're probably still going to find yourself comparing yourself to someone else even if you're the most self-confident person in the world and it's like that is just complete and utter false advertising detrimental to a body image like it's just all sorts of wrong Mm. but what's really damaging is on social media when you think someone looks like that in real life and that you're made to believe that it could be your friend or your next door neighbor, yet there has been all sorts of Photoshop and retouching. I honestly think that that's more detrimental sometimes than looking in a high-end magazine and seeing an image of a, a perfume ad. I think we've got to the point in society where we know yeah. that that has been fiddled with. Yeah. But yeah. it's really hard to find the balance when it's someone you follow that you think oh it's this girl that just got famous off of Instagram that could be me one day but actually there's all sorts that's gone into it
0: I feel like with Instagram, uh, like you just, I always like to try and point out when people are like, oh, you look like you just, you've such a nice like life and the way you're doing it. And it's like, yeah, but you have to understand you're seeing a minute of my day yeah and that's not like reality. So I think with Instagram, it can be absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. Actually, you've said something here. I'm going to speak about it in a second. But also it can just like, people just... Think that that's someone's perfect life and they look like that perfect yeah, way we when actually to go they in don't.
1: Aware, and I think that's yeah. a fantastic that you prompt that and you say that and you kind of are accountable and be like, this is more of a highlight reel. And there's nothing wrong with that either because mm. when I was postpartum and I was so tired and living in a dressing gown and didn't shower for days do you think I wanted to hop on Instagram and like <laughs> yeah. talk or post a picture or I just sometimes when I'm glam and I've had my rollers in like today and I've put a little bit of makeup on I do feel more motivated to share and to, to connect and there is nothing wrong with that at all but I think it is a, a balance right and just being open yeah. and honest and saying reminder hey Instagram's not 100% <laughs> real life and we've definitely gotten much further with people understanding that.
0: Oh, 100%. I think it's good for younger generations to realise that actually that is not somebody's, that's not the way they look, that's not their perfect life. Mm -hmm. But you actually did a TED Talk as well, which I was watching earlier, called uh, Ending the Pursuit of Perfection. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you were talking about the influence of social media and the role it plays in advocating a beauty ideal. And you called social media, I love this line, a weapon of self-destruction to self-esteem. But it's also kind of sad. But what prompted you to think that way? Is it just the the kind of craziness of social media and people thinking that someone's life is a certain way when it's not and they look a certain way when they don't
1: yeah I've had a few really upsetting conversations with young people. Um, there was one girl and she was 13 and she said to me, my best friend photoshops and uses filters online and we all know it so a couple of people brought it up at school and she like blocked everyone at school and literally doesn't even want to go to school, like, is embarrassed about her real life. She would rather have a fake life online where she's filtered and photoshopped with random strangers that she thinks are her friends online that are applauding her for the way she looks and the things she posts. And that just broke my heart because I hope that, you know, she has the community to be able to let her know that her value is not based on social media likes, the amount of followers her photoshopped images but it's really really hard for young people to navigate that and like I said I struggled to navigate it comparing like the fashion industry to my real life yeah you know I wanted to be a successful model and I was comparing myself to those but social media is 24-7. Yeah. There Yeah, is literally no, for, for young people, it feels like you can look at it every single second of the day and be comparing yourself, not just the way you look, the amount of likes you get, the amount of friends you have on, on social media, and even your lifestyle. Oh, that person gets to go on these beautiful, exotic vacations and I'm stuck here in Skegness. Or You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, It's yeah. just there's this comparison on so many different levels and one of the major ones that's detrimental to your mental health is and as a content creator i know this because i've experienced it is you're not only comparing yourself to other people you're comparing yourself to your last post yeah so if your last post got you know 100 likes and you post a new one and it gets 20 immediately chemical reactions co- like happen in your brain that tell you that you failed yeah. that there's something wrong and if it is an image of yourself do I not look pretty? Why do people not, you know, want to like my stuff anymore? Like, and we have never had that in society before. Yeah, We've had comparison of people around us, but we've not experienced or had to cope and deal with comparing ourselves to a social media post that we posted two days ago. Like, we've never had that. So as a society, we're figuring that out, what that looks like.
0: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but I do feel like, in schools and stuff like that, they should be teaching this a little bit more. Absolutely,
1: I would love to do more. Like you said, I have traveled to schools before and I think it's had quite a big impact. And that was, you know, mm. a one hour workshop. But if we were constantly checking in with kids and what was beautiful about when I did go to these high schools a lot of boys came and talked to me because I said, come and have a private chat with me after if you want to. Yeah. And there was a, a little boy and he was 11. And he said to me, I'm already taking protein shakes because I don't, I feel oh, so skinny gosh. and I just want to be bigger like the other lads at school because I get picked last for football. And and I was like, it really does start young. And so having these conversations, you know, if you can't rely on the school system as parents, as caregivers, we have to try and have these conversations.
0: And what prompted you to want to go and talk in school? Because I think it's absolutely amazing. And to have somebody like you that would give up your time to go and do that is super helpful for kids, especially like teenagers when you're just starting.
1: Mm. My, whole, my experience, you know, simply put, I know I waste a lot of time and energy and joy on this pursuit yeah. of perfection, of thinness. So it's like, if I can try and help anyone, no matter what age or gender, not feel that way. Do you think it affects men equally? I wouldn't say equally, and I know that might yeah. not sound fair because we, we often talk about equality, but I don't think it's as equal because I do think as a society, men have other forms of self-worth validation. Yeah. And it, when you think about men and how they interact if they haven't seen each other in a while, I doubt the first thing they're going to say is, oh, Tom, you look great. Have you lost five pounds? <laughs> or, te- you know, have you lost oh, some stop. weight? stop. Women do that so much. But women, we do that all the oh time. Oh, my God, I did that yesterday. It's. It, listen, it's ingrained.
0: <laughs> it's so... I did that to my friend yesterday. I hadn't seen her in ages. I was like, oh, my God, have you lost weight? That is terrible. Listen, it's... Like I said, it is so
1: hard. We have been taught to communicate that as women in... Part of me wonders if the patriarchy is happy that that's where we keep it quite often. Yeah. The, the difference between our conversation. that's why I would say it isn't equal, because I do think as women, as a community, as a society, we are more image focused because we've been taught to believe that our attractiveness is really, really important and is one of the main kind of validators and, and ways to build self worth is like based on your size and the way you look. And we yeah. have to unlearn so much
0: so much actually for women in particular. Uh, Do you feel like social media can be a safe space for people when it comes
1: to their self-esteem or do you think it's all just kind of a little bit detrimental? I 100% think it can be a safe space, but you are in charge. You have to set the parameters. And that is about blocking, you know, and literally blocking and don't feel bad for blocking people. They have no idea, especially if they're, if it's someone like me that has a bunch of followers, we, we have no idea. So you've got to protect yourself. There are so many amazing accounts. Like I've found friends online. I've been educated online, you know, obviously inspired online. There are people who have Come from the most amazing backgrounds with different experiences to me that I love learning from. So, you take charge of your social media. It might feel like Instagram's in charge of your algorithm, but if you do block and unfollow and then start purposefully liking, commenting, and sharing content you do like that will show up more in your feed. So you might, That's it might take a, a little yeah. while, you know, don't give up, don't just do one big unfollow of 100 people and like a couple of things <sighs> and then go, they're probably still going to continue to show you certain things. But yeah. after, you know, a few weeks, the algorithm will say, wow, she really likes puppies, or she, you know, yeah. she really likes only accounts that talk about trainers or shoes, or whatever it might be, because, That's the thing. It's not just about people. It's about, like I said, education. It's about inspiration. I love following home renovation Mm -hmm. and interior design accounts. I feel
0: like I'm so glad that you said that because, like, you can follow people that like inspire you and like you really like. And like, I like sometimes I actually just um, mute people because, like, sometimes even people that like I would know and be friendly with, I'm like, oh god, no. And, like, you just, you have to do it for yourself because, do. like, you, you're not everyone's cup of tea. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i probably blocked by loads of people.
1: Oh, 100%. And just,
0: yeah, and I think it can be a really nice space. And like you, like, you do find friends online and it can be really great. And especially if you have kids, I think trying to navigate social media with them is really important. Mm. And, like, parents need to just make sure that they're keeping an eye on it and, like, that they're not, like, making themselves feel bad. Agreed, and I online. think kind
1: of... Being like, oh, no, we're like a social media free household. It doesn't exist. Like my kids are never going to be on it. That feels a little bit unrealistic to me because, you know, seeing high school, uh, you know, I've got actually a couple of neighbors who have high school kids and and listening to them, it's everywhere. And instead of banning them from it completely, I think having hopefully open conversations and being like, you know let's try and use it responsibly or, and, you know, that's where it, I do feel like it's my responsibility to give parents more tools. And I think becoming yeah. a parent has made me think, is there like a, a guidebook that I need to create? Because there isn't one, right? For parents. You of sure like how to navigate create something social media. like that. I think I need to do it. <laughs>
0: Do you know what though? My mum just went on social media in the last like, I know in the last two years and she's amazing and she posts all her her outfits and stuff like that. But she'll send me stuff because people like, it doesn't matter who you are, people are going to be really nasty sometimes. Like, and she sends it to me and I'm like, just ignore it. I'm like, block it. Like, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm even trying to teach her. Mm -hmm. Our children are going to be on social media. Like, it's Mm -hmm. such a huge thing and it's like, it's an ever evolving thing Then you've got TikTok and like, it's not just going to be Instagram. It's going to be something else and like, your child is going to want to be on it because everybody else is on it so Mm -hmm. I just think it's about having as you said the right tools and like just so they know how to navigate it and not be like inundated with all this horrible stuff Mm -hmm. it can actually be quite a nice place but back to body image do you still struggle with your own or have you just come to a point where you're fully accepting of it because I heard an anecdote of you you had a bit of a changing room breakdown like we all do.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> They're awful. No, I would never say that I'm like 100% ever recovered or fully fully confident 100%. I would say I'm like a very close, I don't know, 95% person, but mm. that I'd be inhuman if I didn't have moments where I caught myself or, you know, for me postpartum I've found it really challenging, which I think most women do. Yeah. Not comparing myself to anyone else, but just knowing I've changed so much. Not just in my physical being, but like how I felt about myself and being a model, I was like, I don't know if I ever want to do that again. Like, do I want to be, because my main job before was a laundry model and swimwear model. That's what I've been doing for, you know, a very, very long time, over a decade. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable showing my body anymore. And I had all these different kind of feelings about myself and it was really challenging to navigate. Luckily, I did have, you know, another mom that was going through at the same time as me, but I didn't feel strong. You know, my body felt soft and it felt strong in the sense I had a home birth and this amazing child and I did that, but like physically, it felt softer. And I didn't have yeah. the time to work out the way I used to, which I enjoy. And I don't work out now to burn calories or lose weight. I build muscle, I build strength, I mm. build a sense of accomplishment and achievement. And I really enjoy that sensation of going to the gym and getting sweaty and like achieving something with my body. Yeah, And I missed all of that. So for me, it was like, it kind of just spiraled into me not looking after myself like I said, I stopped showering. I stopped just doing my hair and makeup and putting on clothes. I lived in a dressing gown and I just felt really messy. And that was my, and I'm a big affirmation person. I talk about it all the time. And I, I was like, wait a second. I'm now saying my affirmation is I'm a mess. Yeah. I was saying it over and over again. And I was like, that's not okay. Yeah. And my friend called me out and she said, no, Iskra, you're not a mess your room might be a mess, this house (laughs) might be a mess, but you are not a mess. And, you know, sometimes you do need to just somehow pull yourself out of that place. And that's why, you know, I will try and get dressed a little bit now and do my hair and a little bit of make, just little things that make me feel like my best self. And I don't care if it sounds shallow when I talk about body image a lot and I'm sure people want me to be like, no, I never wear makeup because I'm beautiful just the way I am naturally. And I do know I'm beautiful just the way I am, but I also love a bit of mascara and blush and putting on my (laughs) lip gloss and doing my hair and like those things are part of building my representation of myself sometimes and you know experimenting or getting glam it's just like a part of a ritual for me showering is like the bare minimum for me so just jump in the shower escape so yeah that's finding those moments of peace is important yeah
0: a hundred percent for people though that are going through like self-image struggles Mm. and things like that what, what kind of advice would you have for them like get up have a shower look after yourself I like that advice of like Putting on a bit of makeup because, like, I did my tan today because I felt a bit gross yesterday, and like that has just lifted my mood today. It's and about, that's totally valid. I find self care exactly. Yeah. But what what do you think could help people struggling with their body image? So
1: I would definitely say figure out the things that. Make you feel boosted. I'm going to give it that word, right? Because obviously you're enough just as you are. But if there's anything else that doesn't make you feel uplifted, do that. Don't feel bad about it. It's not superficial. It is not selfish so that you can get that little moment of self-care. And most importantly, figure out how you're speaking to yourself. Just like I said that my affirmation during postpartum was, I'm a mess. Guess what that did? It made me feel even more of a mess. That was not beneficial. That was not kind. And I would never say that to someone else. So why am I saying it to myself? I think one of the best ways to figure out if you're being unkind to yourself is, would I say this to my best friend? I doubt it. So don't say it to yourself. That's like an, I feel like an easy gauge of like, oh, is what I'm saying to myself not very nice? Would I say that to my best friend or someone that I love? No. Okay, I'm not going to say it to myself. And I would do that in front of a mirror. I'm a big, big advocate for giving yourself eye contact. I don't think we often do it. And it's one of the best ways to actually connect and really truly see how you're feeling. And again, we, we don't do that very often. We're just busy. We're in the moment. So get in front of the mirror, give yourself eye contact and find three things to say about yourself. And they don't have to be super loving and super confident, just even neutral. I'm Mm. grateful that my hands allow me to cook food. I'm grateful that my legs enable me to walk around nature, go for a walk. I'm grateful that my eyes allow me to see my loved ones. Like, potentially neutral things if you're not at that point where you're able to say super loving things or find like you know I'm so proud of myself because I'm an uplifting friend if you can't get to that point just start neutral facts yeah because there are amazing things that you're doing every single day and a lot of them are thanks to you and your body um so start off with neutral and build up from there and sometimes even start listening to what other people have to say about you, because I bet you that your loved ones give you compliments and say nice things all the time. And you probably brush them off or don't fully absorb them. Take that in and be like, wow, that person really thinks that I, I, you know, my laugh's brilliant. Like, okay, I've got a really nice laugh. Like take it in. (laughs) So I think that that's really important. Getting in front of the mirror. That's how you're going to dismantle potentially the un- the unkind things you're saying to yourself and thinking and instead choose how you want to be defined. As that's the number one thing. A lot of us are walking through life with the definition that a bully's given us yeah. or that's, you know, an unkind moment in our life or some trauma. And we're carrying that. And that's, you know, our definition of how we feel. And when we look at ourselves, we see that we've got to unpack all of that, offload all of that and start to rebuild a foundation of potentially neutrality and then kindness and love. And that could take a really long time. Yeah. I remember the first time I said affirmations to myself, I felt ridiculous. And I was like, this is never going to work. You know, I was like laughing them off. And it was a book by Louise Hay that kind of got me and my friends started. And it felt silly to get in front of the mirror and be like, I am capable. I am confident. (laughs) Like it felt ridiculous. I didn't believe that it would work. But it is so powerful what you say to yourself and I can promise you when you speak to yourself and give yourself eye contact and start saying positive things instead of negative or just neutral it will change how you feel.
0: Yeah. Well, we're so we're we're on that be kind movement to everybody else so like be kind to yourself as well.
1: Absolutely. And you know, you can be the one to disrupt a cycle of potential negative talk between your friends and family and your community. I find that was really powerful as I learned about my own self-love and kind of self-growth journey, I was able to then... And you know what? It's not preachy. It's just generally like, hey, do you realise that that wasn't very nice what you said to yourself or about yourself? Mm. And instead of... Because I let that... I let my friends talk about themselves negatively for years because I didn't feel like I could speak up and say something. But actually, you could be the catalyst to help them feel better about themselves too by just gently giving them a little nudge being like, well, I don't think that about you. I think that you're an amazing friend. You're loyal. You're the life of the party. You know, you make a cracking cup of tea, whatever it might be. Like start rewarding your circle of friends and having that communication because it could break how they're thinking and take them out of that second because it's very easy. And I think this is a very British thing to do too. When you hear someone else saying, oh, I hate my thighs. They're so big to join them. Because you feel like you're helping them feel better about themselves because you also hate something about yourself. Oh, yeah, I hate that I've got this breakout right now on my face. And then someone else chimes in, yeah, I feel disgusting. Like, I wish I had longer legs or whatever it might be. I hope anyone listening to this now is going to experience that. Maybe it's today. Maybe that's in two years' time and you're in an environment and someone says something and you have the confidence to just speak up and say, well, actually... I think you're bloody perfect because yeah. you're my friend and I love and care about you. And just that moment, instead of contributing and adding to the negativity, you could be the reason. And I think that gives people a lot of purpose as well.
0: Well, it's great. I feel like I've had a lovely little pep talk. <laughs> I'm going to be so nice to myself now. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us. I think that's going to be so helpful for so many people. And actually to just like put yourself into a nice positive mindset Mm. and like affirmations, everything like that. I've gotten so much out of this. So I'm sure everybody listening will also get just as much as me. So thank you.
1: Absolutely. I'm honoured. I love getting to share a space with you and obviously everyone who's listening, you know, we're here, we're showing up for you today. Like we want to try and spread some positivity, like you said, and let you know that you're not alone in this journey. Yes. You know, me and Vogue have been very open about our struggles and whatever you're going through is completely valid. Um, And yeah, we just hope you choose kindness.
0: And that's it. Thank you so much, Iskra, for joining me today on Taboo Talk. It's been both enlightening and really, really entertaining. And I know you'll have helped so many listeners. And just a reminder for any listeners that if you have been affected by anything you've heard in this episode, please contact your GP or visit the Boots online doctor for mental health support. Eligibility, criteria and charges do apply. There are also helplines and relevant websites listed in the show's notes. Also, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and review and help us to spread the word. Until next time. Bye.